Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 93 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, Now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if uh, you've been a Muslim and want to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, uh, inshallah. Uh, and with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic, we are continuing the, you know, on the topic of destiny. And now we are moving to actually phase three of, you know, the destiny process. So we talked about the first phase, which was the knowledge of Allah, the knowledge of destiny. The second phase, which was the writing of the, of destiny. And the third phase is, uh, you know, uh, going to be the will of Allah to fulfill the destiny. This is going to be a very, uh, inshallah, beautiful episode because there's a lot of things that we didn't know about uh, Allah's will and Allah's wisdom. And we will talk about, because there's a huge difference, my dear brothers and sisters, between Allah's will and Allah's wisdom. Sometimes Allah allows evil for a specific wisdom. Sometimes we know that wisdom. Sometimes we don't know it. So let me just, you know, start the, the, the episode by answering the question that everybody is struggling with. Do we have a free will? Do humans have a free will? Well, no pun intended. Yes, we do. But I like to call it more of a freedom of choice. And the reason why we have the freedom of choice, not the free will, even though they both technically mean the same thing, as long as we mention the boundaries, we only operate within Allah's will. Again, humans have the free will, but we operate that free will that we have, we we use it or we have it within Allah's will. We cannot operate outside of Allah's will, meaning, You can't do something that Allah wouldn't allow you to do. Even if it's evil. By the way, Allah could allow you to do evil for many reasons. We we mentioned this before. But don't think for a second that you would you can do something in this existence that Allah does not will it. Again, even if it's good, or even if it's again, Allah could allow both. Or either or. Like Allah could allow evil, Allah could allow good. It depends on Allah's wisdom and the situation and all these things. But don't think for a second that you can do anything that Allah wouldn't allow or anything outside of Allah's will. We cannot operate outside of Allah's will. So to answer the question, yes, we have a freedom of you know choice or a free, a free will, but that free will is within Allah's will. We cannot go outside of Allah's will. Okay, so I think that's, that should be you know a very... Uh, simple explanation and here's the proof from the quran actually the chapter of taqweer uh, verse number 29 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says what allah saying 
in verse number 28 before the verse number 29 in verse number 28 Allah is saying for those of you who want to become good to go and become on a straight path Allah saying for those of you who wants who wills to be on the straight path to be good but look at the verse number 29 but you cannot will for anything you can't want anything unless Allah wills it for you look at this again let's dissect these two verses verse number 28 and again the chapter of taqweer Allah is saying for those of you he's talking about basically you know being on the right path and you know be talking about guidance she's saying for those of you addressing those of you who wants to be or those of you who want to be on the right path but you cannot want anything Allah unless Allah wills it so Allah is giving us hey I'm telling you if you will to become good if you will to become good you can become good. You can be on the straight path. Only if I will it. Only if I allow it. Allah, and th- th- this is actually, actually very simple. Allah is literally proving to us what we've been saying since we started talking about destiny. Nothing happens in this universe. Nothing happens unless Allah wills for it to happen. Unless Allah gives it that permission. Unless nothing like I said, the flow of the rivers or the fl- whatever happens with Allah's will, by the way, every single second. It's just, it's something beyond, beyond our comprehension. But let's talk about us. We can't do anything. We cannot do anything unless Allah wills for it to happen or wills for us to do it. Just, it's really pure, simple. So, like, for example, when someone comes to you, and here is, here is uh, like an interesting example. When someone comes to you and be like, well, I'm, uh, I'm not going to pray. I can't pray. I'm not praying because Allah was w- not willing for me to pray. Be very careful. You do not tell, you do not dictate what Allah wills or does it will. Because this is very dangerous because unfortunately some of our brothers and sisters use this. Well, Allah wasn't, you know, didn't will for this to happen. Or, well, we can, like we said, we can say this about the past. You can't say this about current state or future state. So if someone comes to you and be like, hey, man, or, or hey, sister, why aren't you praying? And you say, I don't think Allah wills is willing for me to pray. Oh, boy, be very careful. Don't even cross that red line. Don't. Do not. Don't blame your failures or your shortcomings or your sins or whatever you want to call it. Don't blame it on Allah's will or Allah's, you know, uh, that Allah didn't allow you to do so. Don't even think about that. This is a major sin. We mentioned this multiple times, right? You have a free will and Allah will allow you to do it. Again, if you, you know, if Allah wills it, guess what? Allah will never stop you from praying Allah will never will for you not to pray why it's very simple because he asked you to pray he commanded you to pray he dictated upon us to pray he made it a mandate a mandatory act of worship to pray so don't tell me that Allah does not want you to pray that does not make any sense in the world you don't want to pray and Allah is allowing it 
Allah's giving you the permission because at the end of the day, Allah's fair, right? Allah told you what's right and what's wrong. Allah gave you, like showed you the path between the, you know, the right thing and the wrong thing. And Allah gave you the choice. Now, Allah's not going to force you to pray because it's not fair to others. If Allah forces you to pray, that means you're doing a good deed, even though you didn't want to do it. Or it, it didn't come from you. Hypothetically, if, if Allah actually, quote unquote, you know, forces us to do things. But how would that be fair to those who still don't pray? Allah is fair. Allah tells you, shows you the path. The choice is up to you. Like I said, Allah facilitates our path to either Jannah or to hellfire, depending on who we are as people. Allah facilitates that path. You know, like we said in the chapter of Al-Layla, Allah is literally telling you in the Quran, I'm going to facilitate your path to paradise, to do good deeds. Why? Because you want to do good deeds, you're trying. Allah is saying, and for those who are bad, who don't want to do good deeds, who want to just live, you know, without any boundaries or anything, without fulfilling Allah's commands, okay, I'm going to facilitate your path to hellfire. Simple. It's really simple. It all comes to how we are as people and what we want. Now, Let's come, and that's why I said this episode is going to be very, very interesting for a lot of us because it answers a lot of the common question, even by non-Muslims. So like the like we said, do we have free will or not? We already answered that. Here's the second, you know, most common question regarding destiny. Why does Allah allow evil? Allah allows evil, right? We agree on that. You cannot deny that. Because like we said, what's the formula that we said in the beginning of the episode? Nothing happens. Without Allah's permission Nothing happens Whether it's good or bad Nothing happens without Allah's permission Now If you say that nothing happens without Allah's permission And then there are evil things that are happening in the world The result would be Allah allows evil in the world to happen Is that, is that, Isn't that true? It is true 100% true But why? Because that's the question We know that Allah allows And unfortunately this question drove a lot of people to become atheists. This is a very critical, actually, uh, 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 topic, in my opinion. This question, people unable to answer this question, actually made a lot of those people leave the religion. Whether it's Islam or Christianity or Judaism, people left religion, period, because they were like, if there is a God, why is he allowing you know, evil in the world, people to be massacred, rape, uh, 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 you know, murder, uh, you know, uh, just awful things, people to be tortured alive, and why? Genocide, why does he allow this? Even natural disasters, tsunamis, you know, earthquakes, volcanoes, people die in those things. Why does he allow those things, right? Answering this question, First of all, let me respond to those who leave the religion because they can't answer this, you know, the, the question. You leaving the religion didn't answer the question though. Because evil still exists. When you left your religion, whether it's again it's Islam, Christianity, or Judaism, evil things still happening. Now, to you, to make yourself feel better, you say, Well, there's no God, so that's it. That's why things are random. Yeah, but again. Is it fair? 
answer this question. Is it fair that innocent people get tortured, you know, they, they get harmed, they, they die, they get slaughtered, whatever you want to call it, the, the awful things that happen in the world? Is it fair? And the idea that there's no God, okay, but, but how would that be settled then? Is this world is very unjustly so like we just live in a very unjust world and there is no conclusion there is no you know silver lining there's nothing good about this world that will ever happen so how life doesn't make sense then think about it life does not make sense of if of like if bad things and unjust things happen in this world with no redemption with no correction with no judgment there has to be a god there has to be a day of judgment there has to be life doesn't make sense we're born to die that's what i think for those who believe that there is no god actually you raise worse questions than the question of why does allah allow evil or god allow evil when you leave your religion you raise worse questions number one your your first question is not answered because okay remove god from the equation why is evil being allowed in the world why evil happens to you the answer is very simple and lazy it's just random that's the answer okay now you by by claiming that there's no god you're raising a lot of, a lot of questions like like i said what's the purpose of life if there's no god there's no day of judgment there's nothing you die and it's just black screen Nothing happens. You feel nothing after. You're never going to get resurrected. Because technically, if you deny God, there's no resurrection. There's no day of judgment. You're, you're denying all of these things. Then how does life make sense to you? How? You are born to suffer in this life. Work hard. Struggle with you know a lot of things. And then die. <laughs> Think about it. There's no purpose. Life doesn't make any sense to you. And the, the the second thing is, okay, you're saying there's no God, right? But there are a lot of natural things that require sustenance. They can't be random. You know, the movement of the planets around the sun, the movement of the moon around our planet. It's just, there are scientific and astronomical and, you know, just like mathematical, every type of science. If you think about it, it originated from an intelligent being, an intelligent entity that keeps, what keeps the water flowing? Why the sun, if everything is random, answer this question. If everything is random, why does the sun rise every single day and doesn't get lazy one day and just randomly does not rise? If things are random, how come earth didn't snap out of you know the gravity and, and the solar system and we just flew into the abyss or whatever? into the void the black void why we're saying everything is random right it just doesn't make sense if everything is random why human beings are giving birth to other human beings not to creatures that are brand new or some new breed of you know species why because there are no laws when you say things are random you're basically saying there are no laws no because laws are put by someone don't tell me the laws of nature <laughs> Nature abide by the laws of someone who put those laws to that na to nature. 
and I know I'm getting into the, I know I'm drifting away, I just realized right now, I'm drifting away from the, the destiny, but I'm just like, it just boggles my mind, the people who leave, and, and again, may Allah guide all of them, but it's just, it's just mind-boggling that people literally leave the religion, any religion, because they can't answer the question of why does Allah allow evil, but then they raise tons of other questions that they can't answer either. So let me answer this question now, like, you know, the session about, like, you know, atheism and, 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 and you know, God and, and existence. We finished that now. Uh, let me answer the question by saying the first thing a believer should respond with or, you know, which is sometimes Allah has a wisdom that is not comprehensible by human beings. We can't comprehend it. And sometimes Allah explains that wisdom. And I'll give you examples. But sometimes Allah explains that wisdom. Sometimes He doesn't. Why doesn't Allah explain His wisdom? Then? What's up with the mystery? Well, because Allah is testing your faith. Allah gave you enough signs to, to show you that He exists. Allah gave you enough, sign to sh- enough signs to show you that Quran came from Him and Quran is a divine book from Allah. Now, because certain things happen in the world make you question the existence of Allah, well, you're failing the test. Allah gave you enough strong evidence of his existence. We talked about this many episodes before. Strong evidence that there is an entity, a being, one being in control of everything, which is God, Allah. He gave you that evidence, gave us all. For you to question the evidences because other stuff are happening that your mind can't comprehend. That's the big issue right now. Your mind cannot comprehend. It's You're failing the test. It's as simple as that. You're failing the test. Now, trust in Allah's wisdom. That's your test right there. Number one, if things don't make sense to you, say that Allah has a wisdom that I might not understand now, might under, not understand ever. But Allah has a, there is a wisdom. Hikmatullah, we call it. The wisdom of Allah in Arabic. Because what happens is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could turn that evil into something good. Eventually. Or, and we're talking about from Allah's wisdom, right? Like the, the things that could be Allah's wisdom when evil exists in the world. It's a test for those who are patient. The victims of those calamities are being tested. And guess what? Their ranks are being elevated in the hereafter to go to the highest levels of paradise. Really? You think? Because here's the biggest, and let me answer this question, because this question is, like, in, in my opinion, I think it's the most logical response, which is, People who get upset and get angry at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or even claim that there is no Allah because bad things happen are forgetting a very, very key component in this whole formula. This world is worth nothing in the sight of Allah. What happens in this life equals zero. This life is only a platform for us to do good deeds. And it's literally a bridge, literally a bridge to the hereafter. To the final and eternal abode, which could be either inshallah paradise or God forbid hellfire. This is 
why Allah created this life that we know it now. So when you get angry at Allah because evil is happening and you're forgetting your purpose in life and you're very indulged in life, not knowing that this is only temporary, like you're literally going to live for what? 60, 70, maximum 80, 90 years? Then you're dead. Is it worth it, this life? Guess what? You lost your hereafter because you focus too much on this life. Now, that doesn't mean ignore anything that happens that doesn't mean be lazy that doesn't mean don't you know care or don't you know like participate or don't be part of this world no 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 no. but if you let your world this world this life get you to lose your afterlife then you're doing something wrong purify your heart we all by the way are, are guilty of that we're all guilty of that we have moments that we focus too much on life some situation happened that bothers us so much that we feel like it's the end of the world Pause for a second and think. Is it the end of the world? Does this life really matter? Look at the bigger picture. Look at the bigger picture. Wallahi. So those people who get angry at Allah because why is Allah allowing evil? Forgetting that this life is temporary. It's not lasting. And the Prophet ﷺ tells us this in an authentic hadith. He says what? لو أن هذه الدنيا تسوى عند الله جناح بعودة لما أسقى فيها كافر شربة ماء. I'll explain the hadith, of course. The Prophet is saying, if this life that we live in is worth a wing of a mosquito, a wing of a fly, in the sight of Allah, Allah wouldn't give a disbeliever a sip of water. What does that mean? It means that life is worth nothing because if if life was the standard. If it was the end all and if it was the most important thing, Allah wouldn't even treat the disbelievers with kindness, even though they're di- because they disbelieving in there are disbelieving in Allah. So Allah wouldn't even give him a sip of water, the privilege of drinking water. Look at disbelievers now, evil people. They're thriving. They're rich. They have you know. Some, I mean, I'm talking about like some of them, not all of them, but they're thriving. They're having the best lives ever. Just they're enjoying life. Why is Allah allowing this to happen? Because you have to answer that question too. Why is Allah allowing good things to happen to bad people and bad things happening to good people? Well, the good things are happening to bad people, even though they're disbelievers, even though some of them may curse Allah, even though some of them may curse the Prophet even some of them may curse Islam and go and try to smear what Islam looks like and just trying to ruin the image of Islam. Allah lets them live and even in a happy way. Why? Because it doesn't matter. This life doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you're an evil person and Allah gives you happiness in this life, be very scared. If you know deep inside that you're not a good person and you continue to have this beautiful life, oh, be aware because that means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saving the punishment till the day of judgment, which you're better off getting punished in this life than the day of judgment. Trust me, Wallahi. And we will talk about that when we get to the Day of Judgment. But again, I don't want to lose focus on the topic of why does Allah allow evil. Allah allows evil for a wisdom. That's number one. That we might not understand. But we have possibilities of those wisdom. One of them is Allah might turn into something good. We don't know the end of the situation or the end of this calamity. Number two, it's a test for certain people who are patient. Right? Number three, you don't, life doesn't matter. Life does not matter. 
evil happens because it's evil won't happen on a day of judgment to good people i tell you that <laughs> it's very simple evil will not happen this is this is not me speculating there's a lot telling us the day of judgment happens everything will be set right those who are wronged and this is this is number four that's not the number four which is the possibility of the wisdom of allah this is me answering the question still that on the day of judgment we have a day of judgment so we're saying this life doesn't matter this life is temporary that's number three number four is day of judgment what's the purpose of the day one of the purposes of the day actually the main purpose of the day of judgment is everyone will get what they deserve every single human being ever created and was brought to this world every single one no one will escape the day of judgment so if you were evil oh you'll you'll get what you deserve if you were good and you were wronged and you were a victim of so many calamities and bad things you will be rewarded and getting rewarded in the day on the day of judgment is far better than getting rewarded in this life i'll be nice to get rewarded in both but guess what if you can't get rewarded if allah if and, and again, why sometimes Allah doesn't reward people in this life and He leaves it to the hereafter? Let's go the opposite way now, talking about good people. Well, because if Allah rewards you in this life, that means He's going to take a little bit because Allah's just. Because some people are good people, are suffering, right? So if Allah rewards you, gives you something good in this life, He's going to take a little bit of from the hereafter. But if He saves it, and now don't get me wrong and i'm going to talk about this situation in a second if he saves it all to the hereafter ooh, you're in for a treat inshallah but don't misquote what i'm saying right now do not ask for this the uncle of the prophet sallallahu one time came to him and he said oh you know what oh allah I want to be punished for my sins. He's talking to the Prophet he's telling him in one of the battles or after one of the battles, he said, I want to be punished for all of my sins. Al-Abbas, we all remember Al-Abbas for those of you who, you know, listen to the last episode, uh, the last season, I mean, talking about the biography of the Prophet So Al-Abbas came to the Prophet and he said, I want to be punished for all the sins in this life. So basically, I want to be punished now. So in the hereafter, there's no punishment for sins and I'm good to go. It's all rewards. Look what the Prophet said. Do not ever make this dua. This was the, the response of the Prophet. Do not ever make this dua. He's saying you will never be able to bear the punishment because Allah could punish in this life, by the way, not the hereafter. You might not. Don't ask for this. Do not ask for this. Rather ask. Allahumma inni as'aluka al-'afwa wal-'afiyah fi dunya wal-akhirah. This is a dua that we all should memorize, my dear brothers and sisters. Actually, it's part of the morning adhkar that we talked about, the morning remembrance of Allah, the the couple of duas that we say in the morning, and the actually uh, evening too. You're saying Allahumma inni. The Prophet literally, this is how we got it from. He told the Abbas, Allahumma inni as'aluka al-'afwa wal-'afiyah fi dunya wal-akhirah. Oh Allah, give me all good things, health. Wealth, everything good in this life and in the hereafter. Fid dunya, this life, wal akhirah, and in the hereafter. Because don't don't think I can take it in this life. I want to save it all to the hereafter. You might not be able to take it, and this might lead you to not be patient, and this you know to be impatient, and this might lead you to lose the hereafter. So don't think you're tough. You're not. You can't bear Allah's punishment. Don't think you're tough and say I'm going to take it all in this life. No. 
Allah, give me rewards in this life and in the hereafter. So back to my point. Some people don't get rewarded in this life and it's not because they want to. It's just because Allah willed for them and Allah doesn't punish them severely. Some people are get really badly tested. Like I said, genocide. Bad things, horrible things. Hurricanes and, and that kill people or tsunamis and you know. But Allah could be testing their families, testing us. How are we going to help them as a Muslim community, as humans? How are we going to help them? Testing us, testing them, and they will be rewarded in the hereafter. We all know that if somebody, you know, for example, somebody dies while like drowning, they are martyrs. You know that, right? They're martyrs. They're like uh, from the highest levels. No, no, no judgment, no nothing. They're like, go to Jannah, to paradise. So it's not that bad. Sometimes. Again, don't ask to die a horrible death in this life. That's not how the Prophet told us, do not do that. You might not be bare and you might fail the test even doing so. So, so that's, uh, you know, and, and, and again, at the end of the day, Allah could also punish people. Number what, five, I think. Number five now of trying to, you know, give examples of Allah's wisdom to allow evil. Some people get punished because they're far from Allah. They're away from Allah and Allah punishes them. And when a calamity hits them, they return to Allah. Again, eventually turns to something good. That's what we said. So to recap, I want to recap really quick because I don't want to get stuck on this point because, you know, we're already like almost 30 minutes in and we, you know, didn't didn't get to the rest of the topic. But number one, Allah allows evil for a wisdom that we might understand or we might not understand. This is the answer. Number two, Allah could turn what you think is evil into something good. Number three, if he doesn't do that, that means there's a test for certain people. The people are who are involved. Allah wants to elevate their ranks or Allah wants to take away from their sins. Number uh, three, life doesn't matter. This life, this dunya does not matter. It doesn't matter. It's Allah doesn't care about it. Allah only uses this for us to operate, worship Him the right way, gain good deeds, stay away from sins. This is, this is literally like a platform that Allah is giving us. To operate in to get to paradise and stay away from hellfire. Number four, there's a day of judgment where everything will be corrected. Allah's ultimate just judgment will take place on the day of judgment. It's called the day of judgment. You know, number four, some people get calamities and hardships because they're away from Allah and Allah wants them. So it's eventually good for them. Allah wants them to get back to him and this is this could happen indirectly a lot of people actually became way more religious during the pandemic during the covid pandemic because they felt like the world is getting depressing you know their loved ones some of their loved ones passed away a lot of people turned into to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during the pandemic and this was a you know a global catastrophe or a global you know crisis do you think Allah wanted evil to happen? No, Allah allows evil, but there are wisdoms from it. So I hope that answers, you know, that ultimate question of does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow, you know, evil in the world? So with m- moving on from this, um, you know, uh, we will also, uh, 
now we were talking about Allah's will. We want to how to we have to believe in Allah's will, because if you think that anything happens without Allah's will, you are this is a major sin. Actually, this could take you out of the fold of Islam. Allah's will is always there, whether it's good, whether it's for something good or for something that's we think it's evil or it's evil. Allah's will, Allah doesn't cause evil, but He allows it. Like I said, our free will only works within Allah's will, within the boundaries of Allah's will. And if you think about it, why is it impossible to operate out of Allah's will? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gave us the free will. Remember, He didn't give it to the angels. He gave it to us and to the jinn. So the idea, that the concept of free will is given to us by Allah Himself. So do you think Allah is going to give you something and then you will be up, able to operate outside of His own will? Come on, think about it. And some people say, well, that doesn't mean it's a free will. Then if I'm like constrained by Allah's will, no. You could literally choose to pause listening to me right now and just go do something else. You have the freedom of choice. You could do whatever you want. But again, Allah allows you to do these things. Like for example, who gave you the ability to distinguish between good and evil? You make the choices because you know what's right for you. Some people don't, unfortunately, but like most people know, okay, this is good for me, this is not. Like, you know, you're not going to go jump in, in a pit of fire, for example, because you know this is, you're going to die and it's going to burn you and you're going to suffer. Allah gave you that ability to distinguish between what's good for you, what's evil or what's harmful for you. It's that simple. It's that simple. In the chapter of Al-Kahf, verse number 24, Allah says what? وَلَا تَقُولَنَّ لِشَيْءٍ إِنِّي فَاعِلٌ ذَلِكَ غَدَىٰ إِلَّا أَيَّ شَاءَ اللَّهِ Do not ever say, I'm going to do this tomorrow. By the way, another big thing. See, this is why I'm like, Wallahi, this episode is beautiful. It's like, it has a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. A lot of very common things that people are, again, uh, you know, wondering about. Muslims always say what? And they're supposed to come. Like, it's not just we do it. For those who don't, you have to say, actually. You have to always say to something you're about to do, Allah, God's willing. Allah's willing. By Allah's willing, I'm going to do this. Allah, I will do this. The word Allah, I can have an entire episode, an hour episode. And I won't even like finish the topic about Allah. And Allah tells you in the chapter of Kaf, do not say I'm going to do something tomorrow without saying Allah, unless Allah wills it. By Allah's willing. You can't. You cannot. Do you understand this? As a Muslim, you have to believe that everything happens with the willing of Allah. So you always have to say, inshallah, I'm going to do anything in the future, by the way. Anything. Even if it's in, 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 in a minute, in a second from now. Like I always teach, you know, alhamdulillah, my daughter's like, you know, even though they're three, but like I, I, I want them to get used to use this word, inshallah. They say, oh, Baba, are you going to get us ice cream? And I'm like, say, inshallah. And they say, inshallah, are you going to get us ice cream? Yes. Now they love the word inshallah because, you know, it gets them ice cream and good stuff. But like, that's how you should operate. Teach your kids that. Teach your friends that who don't know. Teach anybody that, you know, family members. Teach them how to say inshallah and mean it. Deep down in your heart, always know that if Allah doesn't will it, it will never happen. How many times you say, and, and I'm going to give you examples actually. Uh, one of the you know one of the times uh, um, uh, the Prophet Sulaiman, Prophet Solomon, uh, peace be upon him, 
he had multiple wives. So one time he said, I am going to, you know, to say it in a better words, I'm going to, you know, uh, be intimate with all of them. And from each and every one of them, I will have at least a, a, a son or a child that will become, you know, uh, uh, fighting and that, we, that will fight for the sake of Allah, for the cause of Allah. They're going to be soldiers for Allah. He had really good intentions. You cannot deny that. But then he didn't now... Uh, uh, an angel came to him and I, I don't think he saw him or anything like that and tried to whisper to him you know say inshallah you know sometimes we have angels whispering to us good stuff we know that when we have the right you know hearts on the right you know then this is an, a prophet but then he was so sure that this is going to happen that he just became lazy not nothing to like he was not disobeying Allah or anything so he just didn't say it and he didn't say inshallah and he went and he was intimate with many of his like they were like i think it was like around 100 like again back in the day was crazy number but yeah and guess what not a single child was born and he had a one child imagine like let's say the number was 100 let's say didn't have a single child none of them got pregnant none of them got pregnant only one got pregnant and the child came out defective he had really like he can't be anything and this is not cruelty from Allah but this is a lesson for us because if later on like you know it's just that was not Allah didn't will for this to happen but he didn't say inshallah know that whatever you're about to do next won't happen unless Allah wills for it to happen this is what inshallah means do you know the verse in the, in the chapter of Kahf? Do you know what was the, 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 the event that caused these verses to be you know, revealed to the Prophet? I'll tell you. A bunch of Jewish rabbis came to test the Prophet when he was you know, first you know, becoming a prophet. And they gave him three questions to prove that he's a prophet. They said, Tell us about the people of the cave, the people of Kahf. Tell us about Dhul Qarnayn. Tell us about the soul. Okay? Then our Prophet said, Okay, I'm going to answer you guys tomorrow. Didn't say inshallah. So the revelation never came. The revelation never came. Jibreel never came down. Uh, Angel Jibreel never came to the Prophet. And the Prophet was waiting. Okay, Allah is going to support me now. And this is a positive thing if Allah, you know, right away sends Jibreel with the answers that will actually amplify the effect of the Prophet. But nothing happened. And then they came. And he said, just just wait more. Why? Because he didn't say, inshallah. He was too confident. And this is exactly what uh, uh, even Prophet Sulaiman had confidence. Not laziness. He was not disobeying Allah, like I said. No, 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 no. Just they were lacking. I mean, they had overconfidence. I'm a prophet. I'm going to answer these questions. No problem. No. Even for prophets and messengers, they have to say, Inshallah. By Allah's willing. Or Allah's willings, Inshallah, this is going to happen. So, you know, like, Allah answered the questions later on, but he kept the, the soul. Remember, he said, the soul was, was not going to... But then Allah, like... And we'll talk about the Dhul Qarnayni. Actually, 
when when we talk to the when when we're gonna talk about the signs of the day of judgment, who's Dul Qarnain and all these things, and we're gonna talk about the people of the cave as well, inshallah. But the soul, we know that Allah didn't answer this question. He literally answered and said, Rabbi." Allah said, the soul belongs to Allah. The secrets of the soul will belong to Allah. That question you will not answer, but he answered the other two. But again, see, even Prophet Muhammad he just got a little confident. Allah didn't give him the answers right away. Same thing with Prophet Suleiman. And there's, by the way, there's multiple, multiple examples in the Quran and the Sunnah that the Prophet didn't do that a lot, it just because it was in the beginning. Like like I said, people were coming to test him in the beginning of his prophethood, so he didn't know. You know, he still was confident and he was not experienced enough as a prophet and a messenger. But later on, of course, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam always said, "Inshallah," before any and everything he did. Now, let's talk about the categories of Allah's will. Number one, there's something called the universal will. What is the universal will? The universal will is. Basically, it's stuff regarding the universe. Whether Allah loves it or not. Like I said, Allah allows evil. Allah doesn't love evil to exist in the world. But Allah allows it to happen. That means Allah wills for it to happen, right? So subhan- Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like you might ask a question, why does Allah will for things that he doesn't like? Well, back to the same answer. Hmm? For wisdom. Or something good might happen out of it that we don't understand yet. We answered this question already. One of the things that Allah doesn't like and He did was creating Satan. Allah knew in the future what Satan will did will do, right? He knew that Satan will disobey him, he won't prostrate, and he's gonna become the ultimate disbeliever trying to lead people into hellfire. You know, creating disbelievers who are trying to ruin you know, uh, Islam, who tried to kill the prophets and the messengers before, you know, b- before our time. Allah allowed them to live. You know, creating evil in general is is basically a, a universal will. Allah allows certain things to happen, good and bad, for a divine wisdom that we might not comprehend in this, this life, or some of them will be answered. There is, uh, and actually regarding that, I want to give another example. I know this this episode, we're giving a lot of examples, but it's just, it's so beautiful to give examples, a, a real life examples of the topic of destiny. Because I think now it's all coming together. Like we talked about hard things and, and things that could be hard to comprehend, but inshallah, now it's becoming easier and easier to understand. For example, I'll give an example actually happened. Uh, and I don't know if I ever gave that example before in, in the podcast or not, but I'm going to give it to you now. This something happened to actually my wife. So uh, my wife uh, was driving her car. She made the mistake of, uh, don't laugh, putting diesel in, in a car instead of regular uh, regular gas. And uh, even it was just the whole way it happened was a little bizarre. Like the guy there was... Are you sure you want to put diesel on? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She thought that diesel was super, by the way. And the guy's like, it's it's different hose and it's a different everything. Are you sure? And this was not, was not even fitting. And, you know, God put in, you know, in her way someone who really didn't think a lot. Like the guy, may Allah bless him and everything. But like he didn't really use his mind that much because he literally was like, are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. And even though it didn't fit inside the car, the the, the opening for the gas, he still did it. He forced it. And he put diesel in, literally, he put diesel in, 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 in my wife's car. Then my wife started driving, and literally seconds later, the car broke down in the middle of a crossroad. 
like started literally just stopped and my wife was freaking out she she had anxiety anxiety and she she called me i came and literally the the traffic was stopped there was a cop there we of course called 911 to you know come and help and whatever because again it was a crossroads right uh intersection it was an inter- intersection not crossroads it was an intersection but anyway uh, and it was a very stressful situation. Imagine you are in the middle of the road, cars are beeping, there's a cop there trying to tell them to go different ways and whatever, and the car just broke down. Then we we waited, we called, you know, AAA, uh, a company, you know, that came, took the car, towed it away, and, and we sent it to the dealership. This is a bad situation. There's, not, there's nothing fun, there's nothing good, there's nothing even normal about this situation, it's just a bad situation. And I kept telling my wife, inshallah, you know, khair, you never know. It was meant to be, just say, qadr Allah, something that you couldn't control. It, it, it happened. She said, yeah, you're right. And, you know, we went to the dealership. We drove with my car to the dealership. We got there, and, and literally the guy was looking at the car. Now they had to, we gonna have, we will have to spend, I think the guy said like around $1,000 to literally repair the engine because the engine got like damaged and whatever from, you know, diesel. And, and so anyway. Again, it was a little stressful. The money was a lot, and we said, we have no choice. Inshallah, it's all good. Then the guy was inspecting the car, and he tells us this. Wallahi, this is exactly happened. He said, thank God you guys came here today. And we're like, what? (laughs) No, we're not happy that we came to you. He said, thank God that you came, because look at your tires. So we look at my wife's car's tires, and they were bold. For those of you, bold meaning meaning that those, uh, the texture in the tire, those like cuts in the tire, they were not there anymore because she she drove a lot and she didn't change her tires when she was supposed to. So the tires were bold and we were about to get into a snow season. We were really close, like w- like days from it, you know, from winter time. And uh, the guy said, you could have gotten into a car accident, you could have died. Like you guys, this car cannot handle snow at all. You cannot handle snow. This car will go into an accident bad accident if you drove it and we did not know we didn't even look at the tire or the tires and of course we ended up changing the tires and guess what this might have saved my wife's life or my my yeah my wife's life or our lives if we were both driving the same car literally like i said you don't know the wisdom coming out and this is a, i know i know there's this is a simple very personal example but wallahi this is what happened we were like, wow. Literally, the guy's like, you guys could have died. <laughs> this this was not going to hold in in a, in a rain or during, you know, or if it's if it's raining or if it's snowing. You guys would have gotten definitely into a car accident. Could, could have been a really bad one. So Allah caused something to happen to us. Allowed something that we thought it was evil, it was bad. But the outcome was something that could probably have like could have saved our lives it could you know this could uh, you know could be the the reason why we're still alive today this trip to the dealership allahu alam we don't know but that's what a true believer should how should a true believer see things there is a wisdom that we might not know i mean it happens that we found out the wisdom at least in this world about this situation some other situations you might not even know the wisdoms you know the wisdom out of it and that's fine believe in allah's wisdom that allah either will reveal it to you or not you still know that what happened happened for a reason so that brings me again to allah allows certain things to happen for a wisdom 
So that's the first type of Allah's will, which is the universal will. The second type is the legislated will. This is regarding the commands that he gave us. The rules, you know, these are the things that Allah loves. Only the things that Allah loves. Praying, fasting, doing good deeds, paying charity, you know, doing hajj, doing this and that, you know, doing good deeds in general. This is Allah's will now. Allah told us that this is, he wants us to do this. He wants us to do it. Does he force us? That means all the Muslims would have been great right now. All of us would have been praying five times a day, paying zakapping. But unfortunately, a lot don't. Hopefully, inshallah, the majority are doing. Why? Because of free will. See, Allah's will is for us to do th these things. He commanded us to do these things, but he gave us the free will to choose as well. You choose not to pray. You choose not to fast. You choose not to do good deeds. You choose not to pay charity. So your choice. Allah doesn't force you to do any of this, but there are consequences. Of course, like we said, you do these things, you will be rewarded. You don't, you'll be punished. Simple. Simple. So again, that's another proof of us operating within Allah's will. And again, for the disbelievers who say, it's Allah's will for me, not, for me to disbelieve, how do you know Allah's will? You cannot speak on Allah's behalf. You do not know Allah's will. The prophets and the messengers never knew Allah's will. How do you know it? You are far from Allah. You don't even believe in Allah. Some of you don't even believe in Allah. And you're saying this is Allah's will. MashaAllah, you know Allah's will. This doesn't make sense. You're blaming your own failures on Allah's will. And you cannot do that. This is even worse than not doing the right thing. Because you don't know what's written for you and what Allah willed for you. Allah allows you to commit evil Allah allows you to disobey him Because Allah is giving you the free will Same, Like if it was If Allah did, took the free the, the, the free will Out of Satan He would have forced Satan to prostrate to Adam And none of this would have happened But Allah gave free will to us And to the species of the jinn as well So bottom line is Your path Could be a believer or disbeliever Ultimately in this world You know could be a believer or disbeliever. You don't know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala written upon you, but you know what He wants you to do, right? Allah was very clear and explicit. He wants us to be believers. He gave us a set of commands that we have to fulfill and a set of things that we cannot come near, like haram stuff that we cannot do. You do this, you become a believer inshallah. You don't, well, it fluctuates now. Like you don't believe in Allah, you're a disbeliever. Uh, you do certain things and you don't do certain things, you are in between. You're committing, you're, you're a sinner, but you still could be a believer or you at least a Muslim, right? Allah showed us the path. He keeps showing us the path by what? Providing Quran. You know, it's up to us to choose. Now let's ask this, the question of who's, speaking of those who say, oh, we're disbelievers because of Allah. Who started that idea that when we sin, we do it because it's Allah's will? It was Satan. Yes, it's actually mentioned in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the chapter of Hujur, verse number 39. Oh Allah, you misled me. This is what Satan is telling Allah, by the way. Oh Allah, you misled me. You were testing me and you tricked me. He's saying. You tricked me, oh Allah. Allah doesn't trick his anybody. Allah created you not to trick you. Allah could end you in, in, in literally less than a second. 
Why would Allah bother? Like the same concept of, you know, we talked about it like a couple episodes ago. Those who are saying Allah created me as a male, but he intended for me to be a female or opposite. Allah doesn't play games. He doesn't prank us. Allah does not stoop to that level. Now, here's a very interesting, I'm going to tell you, this is another trivia question that you guys could answer. When someone, uh, the Mu'addin, the guy who calls for prayers, we uh, recite the Adhan, right? He says, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashadu anna la ilaha illallah. As Muslims, if you hear it, you should re- you know, repeat after. I don't know if you guys know this. But you should repeat after the Mu'addin, the caller of prayer. You should actually, when he say Allahu Akbar, you say Allahu Akbar. Ashadu anna la ilaha illallah, you say Ashadu anna la ilaha illallah. Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, you say Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Here's the tricky part. Here's the interesting part. When they say Hayya ala salah, you don't actually repeat after them. You say what? لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. Let me explain this complex thing for those of you who don't he didn't who didn't know about this. Again, when the caller of prayer keeps saying stuff, you keep following after them until they reach to the point when they say حيا على الصلاة meaning come on to prayer, come to prayer حيا على الصلاة. You know, halumma, meaning, you know, come on, come seek prayers now. Instead of you saying that, you're saying, la hawla wa la quwata illa billah. There is no power or might except for, except with the help of Allah or with the will of Allah. Because the caller of prayer is asking you to come. You can't say, I'm coming. You're saying, what? I can do anything only with the will of Allah. It's an action that you, again, like I said, remember what we say about future actions? We say, inshallah, if Allah wills it. This is an, a similar thing. That's why we say, la hawla la quwata illa billah, because we don't know if we can perform this action or not unless it's with Allah's will. We, we take Allah's permission and you say, inshallah, I'm going to, you know, this is crazy. Like, like the idea that people might think they can operate outside of the will of Allah, it just doesn't make sense. It's crazy. You know, one of the questions that I know, uh, people again uh, struggle with is why why so many people die in this world well number one everyone is supposed to die this you know everyone's supposed to die but why does Allah allow people to die young or well think about it this way either they're bad people and Allah wanted us to you know Allah wanted the world to get rid of them if they were bad if they were good that means Allah is actually accelerating their you know path to Jannah if they were good people and died upon goodness and, you know, being believers and so forth. Or Allah's testing their families and their loved ones through their death. Again, everything has a wisdom. We might not understand all wisdoms, but we know some of them. So again, that goes belongs to why does Allah allow suffering in the world? That answers this question as well. Like if you have like another example, life example, if you have a surgeon who's opening your body to perform a surgery, the fact that someone is literally cutting your body is horrible. It's suffering. It's like insane. But he's trying to fix you. You have to look at the bigger picture. Sometimes, like I said, the bigger picture won't be you know, present and won't be there for you to see. But always trust in Allah's wisdom. You know, a surgeon cuts your, 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 your body open to fix you and put you back together if Allah wills it you know, for you to you know, pass the surgery and all these things. So that's another, keep thinking about these examples to, you know, make calamities more bearable for yourself. Know that Allah has a wisdom, that it's not, and that doesn't mean give up, 
to any bad things or hardships or no try your best to overcome them but while they're happening to you if you cannot control what's happening rest assured Allah is testing you there's a wisdom behind it that you might not comprehend in this life so I'm going to end today's inshallah episode with this beautiful story that maybe many of you know maybe some of you know maybe none of you will know we'll, we'll see and this is the story that's mentioned in the chapter of Al-Kahf very famous story between Moses and Khidr. Now, Khidr is actually uh, 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 many. Actually, the majority of the scholars they agree that he is a prophet of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Um, uh, so here's the story. Uh, uh, prophet Musa, uh, you know, was giving a sermon to his people, to the children of Israel. They started crying. They got really emotional. It was really good. Then one of them came to him and he said, O Prophet of Allah, O Messenger of Allah, who do you think is the most knowledgeable human being on the face of this earth? So Moses said, me, of course. Now, it's again, same mistake, not because of bad things, not because he was bad or anything like that or disobeying Allah. Confidence. Prophets and messengers, they have confidence. You know, that Allah chose them for a reason. And at least in the beginning, at least in the beginning, by the way, when they get more experienced, mashallah, they, again, like they're human beings. So he said, uh, me, because Allah speaks to me. I speak to Allah. Who could know more than myself? Of course, Allah hears this. So he tells him, okay, go to this man. I want you to go to this man. He knows more than you. Of course, Moses is like, what? Someone knows more than me? Who is it Allah? So this man was, his name was Khidr. He said, go to him and like you'll learn a thing or two from him and you'll know that he knows more than you, basically. Okay. So he goes to Khidr. He introduces himself. I'm the, you know, the prophet of Allah. And Khidr also is, you know, he's a prophet of Allah. Allah gives him, gave him knowledge. So Khidr is like, okay, let's go. Let's go on a little journey. They got on a ship. And people were really nice to them. Like the, the owners of the ship, they said, we want to go to a specific place. Khidr told, and Moses said, we want to go to that specific place. Now, Moses is following Khidr, you know, on that journey. So Khidr says to the, he, he, said, he says to those people, you know, can, can we, you know, be, can you guys take us with you? And they said, yeah, of course. And Khidr says, we just don't have money. Don't worry about it. We'll take you for free. No problem. They were such nice people. Then during the journey, while the ship was sailing towards the end, when they're about to get to their destination, Moses sees Khidr digging a hole, literally cutting a hole in the bottom of the ship. That was a big ship. So Moses is like, what are you doing? These are good people. What are you doing? And Khidr looks at him and he said, okay, hear me out. I don't think you'll be able to comprehend what I'm about to do. So... I think you should. We should go separate our separate ways because you can't keep question. You can't question me. I'm doing certain things, and I don't want you to question me. So Moses is like, no, 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 no. But I just want to know what's going on. He said, do not ask any questions. You want to stay with me? You don't ask questions. So Moses agrees. He said, okay, all right, no problem. And then they leave the ship. Then after that, they went inside whatever the destination was. It was like a village and whatever. They kept going on their way, and they saw a little kid who was playing with his friends and whatever. So literally Khidr pulled out a knife and killed the kid. A little child, imagine. Khidr killed him. 
Moses lost his mind. What are you doing? لَقَدْ جِئْتَ شَيْئًا نُكْرًا You did something that's evil. You're killing a little child. What are you doing? Moses, Moses lost his mind. Khudr looked at him and he said, What did I say? Do you want to go in separate ways? I can do that. I said, stop asking me questions. And then Moses is like, I just can't believe it. Khudr is like, stop. So Moses stopped. And he was really upset. He couldn't believe what he saw. Khudr killing a little child. Literally a child. Okay. Then they keep on going. They go to a village. And the people in the village are really bad people. They, they mistreated them. They're very stingy. They're just horrible people. They're like made fun of them. It's just it was the, the village was not a good village in general. But there was a wall that was broken in one of the buildings. So Khadr offered help. Literally, he said, we're going to fix it for you guys. No charges. No, don't worry about it. I'll do it. So Moses looks at Khadr and is like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> so you're treating good people with evilness. But you're treating bad people with kindness? What are you doing here? So they built the wall, fix it, everything. And Khidr looks at Moses like, okay, this is it. We have to split now. You can't take it. I told you, you can't take it. Because Khidr told Moses in the beginning, you won't be able to see what I'm seeing. You will misinterpret everything. and You can't take it. So I don't know what to tell you. And of course, Moses now got to like three times. He just can't believe what he's seeing. So Khadr is like, let's split now. Seriously, this is the end. But I'm going to tell you and explain to you every little thing I did. The first situation when he, you know, damaged the boat or the ship, whatever you want to call it. He told him, there was a king, a pirate king who literally takes all ships, confiscates all the ships. Against their owner's wills, right? He takes it away from them, throws them in the sea, kills them and whatever. So every time he confiscates a ship, he checks it out. And if it's a good ship, he takes it. He commands his soldiers, his people to take it. So when I dug a hole, it's a little hole, like, but it's just damaged. The ship is damaged. When they check it, they will see that the ship is damaged. They won't take it. They'll move on to the next. So that was a reward for the people who helped us. Look here. The picture was incomplete to Moses. Now it's complete. Now he's exp so that's the first situation. The second situation is he said, "Yes. I did murder a little child. But this child, look at this. He was going to grow and he was going to be a vicious evil human being who was going he was going to be a disbeliever himself who was going to lead his righteous parents. So this child has a has righteous parents who was going to lead them to become disbelievers as well. He was going to just push them to the edge and he was going to cause them to become disbelievers and this entire family would have burned in hell. Here's the wisdom. I killed this child. Now, how does he know? Khidr? Allah told him the future, right? He tells his messengers and prophets the future. So Allah showed him the, the, the king who was confiscating the ship Allah told him that and Allah also is telling him about what's going to happen with this kid in the future so number one Allah is the one who commanded Khidr this was not his decision to kill the kid it's Allah's creation he's allowed to take whatever he wants but look at the up, like the, the, the good side the, the glass half or the cup half full this is actually the beauty of the story now 
like I said, this kid was going was going to be was going to grow up and become a disbeliever. He was going to lead his parents to become disbelievers. He's going to just destroy this whole family. Look at what happens. By this kid dying on this young age, what happens? He's not a disbeliever, right? He, he didn't become a disbeliever yet, and he died as a little kid. What happens to little kids who are who die? They go straight to paradise. They're kids. They're you know they're 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 younger than the age of maturity or the you know being adults. So this kid. Not just he doesn't become a disbeliever. He goes straight to paradise because he dies as a young kid. That's my, what I keep preaching this, guys, my dear brothers and sisters. This life doesn't matter. The hereafter does. The biggest proof right there. So this kid dies as a young kid, as, as a child. So he goes straight to paradise. No punishment, no judgment, nothing. He didn't do anything wrong yet. He died before he, do, he did anything wrong. Look at this. And we know in Islam... The parents of a dead child, when someone who's young, or actually even when they're old, if your children, one of your children dies, and you are patient, because it's the most painful thing that, that could happen to a, a, a parent. When you are patient, and you know that Allah has a wisdom, and this is, you know, this is the will of Allah, and you're patient, you're not being angry at Allah, you're not saying, why me? Or you're not you know, being devastated. You can be heartbroken, of course, you can be sad, but if you're patient in terms of your actions... Both parents, if they're both patient, of course, go to paradise. Straight up paradise. So now, Khidr, when he killed the child, he transformed a family of three that was going to hellfire, that would have ended up in hellfire, to all of them going to paradise. He's the crazy part. These two, children, these two parents in the future, they actually, after that, they were mourning their child. They were so upset. Allah gave them a, a second child. So they became a happier in this world. So Allah blessed them with a second child. And all four of them will end up in paradise. Because now they're righteous. This kid is not going to make them disbelievers. Actually, this kid is going to help them with their faith and whatever. So all family members will go to paradise. Instead of all of them. Look at the bigger picture. That's what the moral. Of the, this actually happened. This is a true story. This is a true story that happened in the Quran. This st the story is mentioned in detail in the chapter of Kaf, the, the one I'm telling you right now. So this is the second, you know, situation. The third and the final situation, you know, helping the bad people, the evil people of this village to build their wall. Guess what? That wall belongs to a house, to a building that belongs to a father who left a fortune to his two children he left a fortune like a wealth for them he hid it in a specific room and the wall cr the wall crumbled so if the wall still was crumbled and wasn't fixed eventually the villagers or the people of that village would have found the treasure and kept it for themselves took it away from the children but when khidr and moses built when they repaired the wall when they fixed it now they restored the that fortune to be uh, again hidden again and by the time the kids grow up no one will ever find this because again they they fix the wall the villagers won't look what's inside though because this is the kid's house right and when they grow old or they become older they will be able to spend their wealth it was good it was not helping evil people it was helping helping the you know the two orphans the helpless children to keep their wealth hidden and safe from you know, actual evil people. So Khadr told him, 
this is what happened. Allah gave me the knowledge. You didn't have it. So you're looking at the events and the situations from your own perspective. But you don't have the full picture. Your, um, your The picture was incomplete to you. But Allah gave me the full picture. So that proves to you, guys, do not judge anything and believe in destiny. All this actually is a big proof of destiny. Trust in Allah's wisdom. Trust in Allah's, Allah knows what you do not know. Trust in His wisdom and trust in His will. When He allows things to happen, there is a reason behind it. That's what the moral of the story is. Allah's will is for, even if it seems evil at first, or even if it stays evil, there is a wisdom, a divine wisdom, and Allah does not like evil. So don't think that Allah is supporting evil, ever. My dear brothers and sisters, thank you so much. I hope this, actually I think this is one of the most, you know, I think like very uh, engaging uh, topic. Alhamdulillah, all of them are, alhamdulillah, hopefully. But like I think this one answers a lot of common questions you know, that even non-Muslims ask when it comes to, you know, talking about destiny and why does Allah allow this and that. So thank you so much for listening. And inshallah, we'll conclude the destiny uh, topic next, uh, in the next episode, inshallah. Thank you so much. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.